0: Why are they calling uh, the MPs the rebels? Don't they know that in Star Wars the rebels are the good guys? Is it on? Look, I'm going to uh, shirt front, Mr Putin. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man, I will not. No wait, it it is on?
1: Uh, You bet you are, Uh, you bet I am.
0: I don't like it.
1: Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate.
2: Well may we say God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor General. Hello and welcome to another and the last special edition of the is it on podcast our final pop-up of the interregnum between first and second seasons we dive into season two next week but joining me once again on the special pop-up podcast episodes is lane sainty lane hello hello mark and i'm so excited guess is back It's Alice Workman.
0: Guys, I've been gone for four weeks, (laughs) but like nothing's happened, right? So I've heard like nothing's happened in Australian politics, nothing interesting at least, nothing that involves someone waking me up at 5am in Munich, throwing a phone in my face about the Greens. No, nothing. Nothing's happened, right?
1: Alice, Alice, I regret to inform you (laughs) that a lot has happened.
2: (laughs) So much has happened. I also really want to know um, more about this, you getting woken up in Munich, but we'll move on. Um, we've decided to record this pop-up podcast for all the things, if you like Alice, have been tuning out over the winter break and uh, there's a catch. For every single Fast Five that we put forward, every point of the Fast Five that we put forward this week, Alice, you've got to conclude it with a fun fact that you've learned. On your trip away is to this, europe is
0: this so we can decide what politics is more cooked european or australian <laughs> yep. politics
2: that's what we're trying to get to so number one on our fast five this week is the citizenship drama the the thing that your mate was throwing the phone in your face about alice You missed one of, I'm not even kidding, one of the most batshit weird few weeks that the country has ever witnessed because senators just started realising that they were dual citizens and therefore ineligible to be um, running for parliament. And it all kicked off a couple of weeks ago because a WA barrister acquired some evidence from the New South Wales government that Scott Ludlam, the Green senator from WA, had been born in the land of the Long White Cloud and he had never renounced his uh, Kiwi citizenship. So... He stages this weird, bizarro Friday afternoon presser out of nowhere. And just like that, boom, Scott Ludlam, who has been a fixture on our political landscape for a decade, gone out of Aussie politics. Then a few days later, Larissa Waters, she's the Queensland Green Senator. She calls a surprise press conference where she then announced that due to the fact that she was born in Canada, she was given automatic Canadian citizenship that that she never gave up. So boom, she's gone as well. Another week goes by, Alice, and seriously, Resources Minister Matt Canavan says that in 2006, his mama made him an Italian dual citizen without him knowing. But unlike the others, he's going to be challenging it in the courts. So, let's just recap. Next week, as our parliament gets back into the swing of things, we have Matt Canavan challenging, and then there's some total wackiness around the eligibility of Malcolm Roberts, the One Nation Senator, and a Labor MP from Tasmania named Justine Key. The lesson out of all of this is check with your parents. You have your hand up. Alice.
0: Well, the one question I have is, is Lee Rhiannon behind all of this? (laughs) Because the last time I was here, we were talking about Lee Rhiannon getting in trouble with the party. So is this Lee Rhiannon's payback?
2: Okay. A bit on Lee Rhiannon though, while you were away, this isn't even in our fast five, but Lee Rhiannon appears to be challenged by Marine Faruqi in the New South, Wales, um, in New South Wales Greens at the next election. So Lee Rhiannon is under fire. Is it on? Is it on? It might be on in the New South, well, it is on in the New South, New South Wales Greens. Alice, that's number one. What's the Before one... you
0: go back to where you come from, right? What's your
2: uh, first fun fact?
0: Okay, well, when I was in Paris, not only did Malcolm Turnbull visit President Emmanuel Macron, but so did Donald Trump. They had um, this really awkward 30-second handshake. Uh, Donald Trump said some really weird things about Macron's wife, but the main topic of conversation around the bistros in Paris was about the extravagant six-course Michelin dinner that they had in the Eiffel Tower, which A, French people don't actually go to the (laughs) tourist attraction, so that was seen as a bit kind of...
2: Weird. A bit trashy. That they,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, it is. It is a really bit trashy. Um, and, but more importantly, it was more than 200 euros ahead at this dinner. It was a six-course dinner, and that's not even including the wine, right? <laughs> but I guess Donald Trump doesn't drink, but I'm sure the others drank. Uh, so we're talking lobster. We're talking pate. We're talking beef filet. It was seen by the French as, like, the most gauche, embarrassing thing ever. Really? Yeah. And that, the, and that the new French president was fawning over Trump in a way that
2: French people just should not do. Macron yeah sucking up onto the Trump
1: Okay, number two in the fast five. I don't even know how to start explaining what's happened with same-sex marriage in the past day, let alone the last month. <laughs> um, so let's just go to Monday, where there was a media push from pro-marriage equality liberal MPs, which kicked off a lot of speculation about this plan. It's kind of been bubbling along in in the political and media consciousness about suspending standing orders, forcing a vote on marriage, and then liberal MPs crossing the floor to finally get this reform up. So this group of MPs has been nicknamed the Marriage Rebels and consists of all the gay Liberals in the Lower House. That's Tim Wilson, Trevor Evans and Trent Zimmerman, as well as former crocodile hunter Warren Edge. So in response to this push, a lot of conservative MPs got very angry. The ones who have publicly spoken out include Tony Abbott and Erica Betts. And then some conservative MPs also gave anonymous quotes to the papers, implying that the marriage rebels would lose their jobs and be beaten at pre-selection if they go ahead with this plan and defy the party position of a plebiscite. And then, of course, there's all this ongoing speculation that Malcolm Turnbull will lose his job if same-sex marriage is sneakily legalized under his watch. And so just as quickly as the speculation about this force-free vote started, we bounce back to the idea of a postal plebiscite on marriage, which we have mentioned previously on the pod. So this is like uh, the poor man's plebiscite. It's like a regular plebiscite, but no one has to vote. And Australia Post is in charge of your ballots. So (laughs) (laughs) despite (laughs) (laughs) despite that, the idea is gaining momentum, Alice. So some government MPs and ministers are keen for it. And political pundits are saying, guys, don't rule it out. This could happen. Uh, But long-time advocate Rodney Croom says he's seeking legal advice over whether holding a postal plebiscite would be constitutional because it involves using public money. Anyway, then Josh Taylor from Cracky, soon to be BuzzFeed, excitingly, dug up an old op-ed of Malcolm Turnbull's from 1997 in which Turnbull slammed postal votes as undemocratic. So when Turnbull was asked yesterday about whether he'd support a postal plebiscite, he said, thank you. Which, as we all know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as we all know, is not oh an answer God. to that question. No. And that's what's happening with same-sex marriage. So we should all stay tuned for news out of the government party room on Tuesday where this is all expected to come to a head and, and the two pushes are expected to meet. Um, so Alice, please, a fun fact.
0: Well, one, postal voting, that's so boomer. Like <laughs> I don't even know the – I did send some postcards as well as away, but I was going to say I don't even know the last time I sent a letter to someone in the mail.
2: I love last... It's pretty cool to receive mail. I love
0: When was getting the last time you got a letter from someone, though?
2: Maybe po- I would have. I'm still waiting for my postcard from you.
0: I get bills regularly. <laughs> You've been waiting a long <laughs> time. Oh, no. <laughs>
2: um.
0: <laughs> Why are they calling uh, the MPs the rebels? Don't they know that in Star Wars the rebels are the good guys? (laughs) That's what I'm I'm honestly confused. I find it really funny
1: that the idea that they're being rebellious is associated with marriage, which is, you know, one of the most kind of conservative traditional (laughs) institutions of all time.
0: Oh, gross. Okay, well, while Australia's had a very... um, Auroborus uh, relationship with same sex marriage while I've been away. Uh, not only did Germany decide to legalise same-sex marriage and get it done in a week.
2: Angela
0: <laughs> like, Merkel. I German mean, efficiency. Yeah, they're very efficient. They're very if efficient. you can say one thing about them, it's that they're very efficient. Um, but Malta, uh, which is a very Roman Catholic country and often can um, and often referred to as one of the most conservative countries in Europe. They became the 15th country in the EU to legalise same-sex marriage in July. Uh, And that is really impressive given that uh, divorce was banned in their country until 2011.
2: That is... A fun fact.
1: Yeah. Malta is also very well regarded among trans and gender diverse and intersex circles of having extremely good anti-discrimination laws and, and laws preventing surgery on, on intersex minors and all sorts of things. So they're very highly thought of in that regard as well.
0: Well, there we go. That's mm. even a fun fact. We should all, maybe we should all
2: move to Malta. <laughs> maybe we should move the podcast to Malta. <laughs> Number three on the Fast Five is Peter Dutton being king of everything. Now, while you were away... Peter Dutton was crowned the Home Affairs Minister and people have some pretty mixed feelings about this. So we know already that he had the immigration and border force in his portfolios, two biggies, you'd have to say. Then along comes Malcolm Turnbull to bless him with the spy agency ASIO and the federal police. It's this super agency, and there'll be a lot of scrutiny in the next few weeks about how and why this has all happened for Peter Dutton. Now, the prime minister's argument to this is pretty simple. For the 21st century threats that we're facing around terrorism, we need a centralised and agile home affairs ministry, kind of like what they've got in the UK. But all the head honchos of the agencies never asked for this or recommended it to Malcolm Turnbull. So the politics really are front and center on this. And they're twofold. Malcolm Turnbull is A, showing that he is doing something when it comes to fighting back against terrorism. And B, he's throwing a bone to Peter Dutton to shore up his political support. So that's now Peter Dutton, king of all the important national security matters from now on. Does that mean
0: they're actually going to create a department of home affairs, like a new department? There's,
2: there, all of this hasn't really been hashed out yet oh. because the fact is places like ASIO and places like Porter Force really do are own, siloed off in their own little worlds. So are we going to see them all in, in one building? Are they going to be called the home affairs department? Yeah. Questions?
0: Well, I'm just fascinated to see whether they actually have to create a new department or not.
2: Well one of They the... just
0: spent all that money on that ASIO building.
2: Yeah, I think one of the reasons why um they won't want to do that is because you've got George Brandis as the first legal officer in the land, still getting the sign off for ASIO and AFP on warrants and things like that. So you've still got a minister who has his little fingers in the pies of the other agencies. So I don't, I don't think that it's going to be like the Home Affairs Department. There's going to be a bunch of them that go into the Home Affairs Ministry. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It's really weird.
2: Yeah. Anyway, what's your next fun fact about European politics?
0: Well, this is back to French politics, which is just the greatest. Uh, so um, we have a lot of entitlement scandals in Australia. We People don't. misusing helicopters, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, in French politics, did you know that one of the candidates... Uh, for the last presidential elections a guy called Francois Fillon he was using taxpayer funds to pay his wife he had her on the payroll as his his assistant and over 15 years she was paid nearly a million euros but not only her two of his five kids were on the payroll as assistants as well and they were also getting money it's so amazing so that's
2: Francois Fillon he was Fillon, the, yeah. he was the sort of conservative candidate yes
0: yes, yes the, yes, the yes.
2: right wing candidate yeah and it, That's
0: amazing. That's the reason that um, Le Pen ended up being the candidate against Macron in the final vote, because of this expense scandal. Jesus. (laughs) I just think it's so funny. The French man. Oh, man. Good times.
1: (laughs) Number four. Number four. So, Alice, would you believe that against the backdrop of all the drama of actual issues, Mm. there's an undercurrent of leadership speculation about (laughs) the future of Malcolm Turnbull's job? Yes, that's right. There's been weeks and weeks of Tony Abbott undermining Turnbull through the media with what feels like an endless stream of TV and radio appearances. It feels like every afternoon Abbott's just popping up somewhere on talkback, and it's designed to cause maximum damage to Turnbull's leadership. So if you can remember back to the Gonski win in the final week of Parliament, that was massive because it was a bill passed that locked in a new education funding model. Well, Abbott and his right-wing chums immediately seized on Christopher Pine shooting his mouth off in a bar shortly after the Gonski win, and that meant that the following week, which should have been all about bathing in the Gonski win, was back to, you guessed it, internal divisions over same-sex marriage. Anyway, fast forward several weeks to this week, and Tony Abbott is once again jamming Turnbull on same-sex marriage and saying that if he can't control the moderate faction, then it would represent a loss of authority, while his former chief of staff, Peter Credlin, is predicting that Turnbull will be gone by Christmas. And one final thing. Within all the crazy speculation and rumours over same-sex marriage, the Daily Telegraph reported that if there was a spill of the leadership over this issue, a ticket would be put forward containing Peter Dutton as the Prime Minister and Greg Hunt as Deputy. (laughs) So, Dutton Hunt or Dunt 2019.
2: (laughs) What do you make of that?
0: (laughs) Uh, Peter Dutton's polling this week in Essential was... uh,
2: 5%. I thought it was 3 I think five percent uh, amongst liberal voters. That's, 3%. Hu- that's huge.
0: A juggernaut. Considering that we're we're going to an election at the end of next year, that's um, that's yeah, that's, that's crazy. I don't even think Greg Hunt even polls. Like I don't even think <laughs> Greg who? Yeah. Is, he is he included in the the
1: somebody else option <laughs> I on don't leadership know. polls? Anyone else?
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny the uh um, the Dutton Hunt speculation because uh, rewind to after the last election. Most of the speculation was Morrison-Pine. But um, I think in the last year, they've really taken themselves out of the running.
2: Yeah, and Morrison's Mm. hated amongst uh, some right-wing members of the Liberal Party now.
0: Yeah, and I think Pine is not particularly well-liked either. And I had a Liberal um, uh, Conservative MP from New South Wales say to me this week, on the back of the same-sex marriage debate, mm-hmm. well, if we're dropping policies such as the plebiscite after a year, well, Christopher can say goodbye to his submarines. Mm. So the right-wingers, they do not like him. They do not like him. Anyway, my, uh, my fun fact number four, uh, it's not really about European politics, or maybe it is, um, it's that I saw the film Dunkirk, uh, which is about the British troops being evacuated from uh, the French beach during World War Two, and it was heap shit. Zero stars. Do really? not see it and do not at me. I don't want to talk about Can it. I get it a was a bad reply? film. Uh, if you want to see a film about Dunkirk, go watch their finest. It's way better.
2: What's your favorite Nolan movie?
0: Oh, Dark Knight.
2: Dark Knight One. What's number two?
0: It'd be Dark Knight, then Dark Knight Rises, then Batman Begins. Inception would be also down. You don't the like Inception? Nah, no, really.
2: M- Memento. Yeah. The Prestige. I really oh, like the the
0: Prestige. Oh, the Prestige is all right, yeah.
2: I really like the Prestige. The I reckon film. Dunkirk is my fourth favourite Christopher Nolan film. But people love Christopher Nolan. Anyway, I thought Dunkirk was great. That's
0: great. People can love him. I just thought it was heap shit.
2: <laughs> there you go. Don't
0: believe the hype. <laughs> if you didn't like La La Land, you're not going to like Dunkirk. <laughs> Don't start on, on La La Land. <laughs> La La Land is shit. <laughs>
2: All right, number five, and the last of our Fast Five, the last of the pop-up podcast, is all about the sort of, like, miscellaneous mix of other moves and replacements. So let's start with the fact that two Green senators are on their way out, and we've got only one so far that's really uh, been named as a replacement, which is Jordan Steele-John, the disability advocate. But Liberal Senator Christopher Back... Is out. We knew that um, in the last podcast. And his replacement has been named, though. It's the former Chief of Staff to Matthias Cormann, the Finance Minister. And his name, ladies and gentlemen, is Slade Brockman.
0: Said his name or his porn star name?
2: <laughs> Imagine trying to porn star that name. Anyway, so it's de- dead set. His name is Sl- Slade Brockman. And fun fact, very, very conservative Mr Brockman. And he said that even if the plebiscite uh, was held and it came back and said, you know, yes, we we want marriage equality, he'd ignore the result. And he'd just, you know, vote no. Plebiscites are non-binding. <laughs> we do know that. Lane Sainty has told that a few times. Um, in some <laughs> what other... if
0: it was a uh, an, an not compulsory, non-binding postal vote? How would he vote then? Still no. Still no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so in other moving chair news, though, the New South Wales Labor Party has held a ballot for who should replace the outgoing Senator Doug Cameron. The seat, which is held by the left faction in the party, was won by Tim Ayres. He's the New South Wales Secretary of the Australian Manufacturing Workers' Union, the AMWU. But Cameron, don't worry, he is going to be sticking around for a bit longer yet. He'll be retiring at the next election. So the Labour Party, very, very well organised on that front. And finally, in weirder news, Philip Ruddick, who retired from federal parliament in 2016, and controversially was taught Snapchat by us a couple of years back, is running as a Liberal candidate for Hornsby Mayor. Current Mayor Steve Russell was a vocal opponent of council mergers, some of which have already been scrapped by the Berejiklian government, um, has been overthrown by the factional bosses, and they've actually parachuted Ruddick in to run as a compromise candidate in the upper North Shore seat of Sydney, where all the toffs are. Finally, New Zealand caught the Australian leadership spill bug and a month before they head to the polls over in Kiwi land on September 23, the Labor Party, which is in opposition, had its youngest ever leader um, put forward, Jacinta Arden. But because she's a woman, Alice, because she's a woman, she immediately, within the space of 24 hours, got twice asked when she's going to have the babies.
0: So that's two, uh, two new leaders for both. The, the two major parties in New Zealand in a year. Yeah. Because John Key stepped down less than a year ago. Bill, Bill English. to yeah. take over. Uh, unfortunately for uh, Jacinda, uh, Labour are polling very badly, which what is why it? the leader stepped down and she became uh, the new leader of the party. Uh, so the Nationals are going to win. Yeah. John Key should have stuck around.
2: Finally, what's your final European Okay, well, the most facts?
0: important news, I bring you back from the continent. <laughs> Italy is buzzing. Over the fact that Silvio, Silvio Berlusconi, he's back, baby. Oh. He is coming back. The Bunga Bunga King is on his <laughs> way back. He may have been expelled from the Italian Senate in 2013 and is currently banned from running from office until 2019 because he was convicted on tax fraud. He's back. His party's back. They're going to take over the centre-right in Italian politics and he is whooping it in the polls. Is he really? Yeah, their party is so ahead. It looks like they're going to form a coalition government next year. Uh, And this is all amazing because the guy's turning 81 in September. Can you imagine? So if he runs in two years, he'll be 83. Italy love him. They love him so much. I ask so many people in Italy, they're like, oh, yeah, we love him. We love Sylvia. We just love him.
2: (laughs) Well, Alice, thank you so much. And because I feel as though that we're now handing the baton of the hosting duties back to you, do you want to take us out?
0: Yes. Well, uh, you guys have given me a lot to take in. I think I need a Bex and a lie down before Parliament starts again on Tuesday. But uh, good news from next week. We'll be back. With the first episode of season two, we'll have a stellar season lined up. with we'll you, some some uh, epic guests and we're got to try out some new things. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app so you get each episode as it uh, is released each week. Uh, leave us a rating and a review. Um, we're still deciding the fate of Gallery Whispers Oof. for season two, Oof. so you can uh, tweet us. I'm at Workman Alice. he's at Mark DeStef and she is at Sainty. Um, But Mark, finally, the question that I have just been dying to ask you for a month, is it on?
2: Yeah, look, I think that we have the lever of on about 50-50, but it's like vibrating and shaking and it's like threatening to flick between off and on. Because you know what? So it's like
0: when you need to change the light bulb when you flick the light switch? Yes.
2: Because I think that uh, if Malcolm Turnbull can engineer a solution out of this... I think, you know, he can shut up t- Tony Abbott till the next election because he'll be like, I'm the genius. I'm the man who solves the problems. I'm the problem solver. I'm the prime minister for all left and right. He
0: so. does like to repeat in radio interviews, I'm the prime minister of
2: Australia.
0: Yeah. I am. the Black I'm the himself. leader. I'm the leader. I'm the leader. I'm the leader.
2: Last time you did that though, you got rolled, so (laughs) (laughs) maybe Malcolm. Stop reminding people.
0: Okay, well thank everyone for listening. Lane, thank you. Thank you. For filling in while I was away. Mm. Mark, thank you as always. Oh thank you, Alice. And we'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.